0: hey everyone this is Flim finance i'm sam Morton and i'm joined by my co-host fabian hello hello Today is June 20th, 2023, and today we're covering the advantages of a short-term rental and just a quick update on the economy. But before that, kick the disclosure music. As always, none of this is investment advice and does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities, nor do any of my opinions reflect those of my employer Valero Financial Advisors or any of its affiliates. This is for educational purposes only, and things change, so we have no duty to go back and revise any of this information. With that out of the way, Fabian...
1: How are you? I'm doing pretty good. It's Father's Day this past weekend. Got to celebrate with my father-in-law with my kiddo. Uh, back from awesome. our, our travels together to Denver, which was amazing. Uh yeah. So now just ready to get back to work.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm still waiting for my Father's Day gift. I have two children. <laughs> they happen to be hairy and furry, but uh, still waiting on that. So um, I I g- it must for be in the mail. <laughs> Must be in the mail uh, type thing. But yeah, we were in Denver last week and we went to Red Rocks and it was a good time. But you had a kind of a bigger observation while we were yes. there because we stayed in an Airbnb. We
1: we did. And like, if, if you've been staying in Airbnbs, like, and this is the thought that went through my head, right? It's like, you stay at so many. The question is always, because it's kind of a crapshoot, but the question is always like, do people live in these or are they <laughs> buying them just to be Airbnbs? And like, you know, my, my wife and I are, are semi responsible when it comes to investments and we've got the majority of all of our buckets filled up. And so the next evolution is just like, what bucket do we invest in next? And one of the conversations that we always come back to is, do we invest in, in an Airbnb type rental situation? Right. And I, kind of doing the math on like what we paid to stay at this house. And it seems kind of lucrative. So I don't know. Do you have any insight on maybe some of the advantages of, of, of doing that or why people would do it?
0: Yeah. So I can share my experience with a, a recent client that came on board. And with us being net worth based, we're going to go and, and review their taxes, their insurance, their estate planning and the investments as kind of the four core areas of financial plan that we help somebody with. This is going to be a really long-winded answer to, to your question. Cute, candy,
1: uh, classical music here yeah, that I like to put in.
0: Yeah, the, the answer is going to be it depends on how much effort you want to put in is is usually my answer to it, to get all the advantages to it. So I'm going to have a really long-winded answer of showing you the advantages of it. And then it's kind of up to, I always present it to the the client of like, do you want to do this from an effort standpoint to get this type of nugget? So onboarding a new client we get um, three years of the tax returns because you can go back and amend anything if there's if there's room for improvement now traditionally people are like well I'm working with a CPA and are you familiar with what a CPA's incentives truly are? No what like what do you think like when you go get your taxes done, what do you think the incentive structure for that CPA is
1: to like not get you... Find or arrested for not mm-hmm. paying your taxes.
0: Okay. And what else?
1: Honestly, I don't know how they get paid. So okay. No. <laughs> so
0: they, they usually just charge like a flat fee. Yeah. Um, depends on the CPA and sometimes it'll, you know, escalate up based on your situation, but their incentives, you know, 80% of the time is to efficiently get your taxes done in a timely manner and move on type thing. They don't have the time Or the incentive structure to like really sit down and go through your entire situation and optimize everything around your taxes. They're just trying to get it done. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, there are other CPAs who are fantastic and have the time and the ability to go through and optimize things. But the reason why we get three years of taxes whenever we're onboarding somebody is because we just like to review it. We've just seen a lot of CPAs that haven't had the time to optimize. And in this new client, they have a short-term rental. Now, are you aware of what you do with real estate when you own it? Like something, it's called depreciation.
1: No, so I know what depreciation is because I used to sell cars. So, does, okay. it, does it work similar to that?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. A little, a little bit less. So, like a new car depreciates like thirty percent whenever you roll it off the lot, something like that.
1: Between twenty and thirty, yeah, like yeah. immediately.
0: Yeah. So, uh, real estate. The the difference though with real estate is you must depreciate it. It is it is written in the tax law that you have to depreciate it. And if you didn't, for whatever reason, you forgot, you made a mistake, um, and you go to sell your property, it will be taxed like you depreciated it. So you would you get all the the negative. So depreciation is you, the basis goes down, and whatever you own. So Interesting cars-
1: because, with this is a this is confusing. So I'm going to love some explanation on this because when you buy a house, you all I I always think of a appreciation, right? Like the house value is going up. Securing sure. that you want to depreciate it might need a little bit more explanation for me.
0: Sure. So different from primary home, you don't depreciate a primary home.
1: Oh, okay. Right.
0: Yeah, you don't. But a rental home, you do. So it is the cost to maintain it. It's going down in value. You have to put money into the rental home to account for it. So like a great example is if you go buy an industrial building, you can depreciate that like 30% type thing, kind of like a car, but like a rental mm-hmm. home, you can only rule of thumb is to depreciate 3.6% a year. So, you round up about 4% uh, on that. And the big thing with um, depreciation is it's a passive loss and depreciation can offset only passive income. So, if you go and get your Airbnb and, and or you have a long-term rental, like I have a long-term renter in my carriage house, I'm a slumlord. I love my renters though. They're they're fantastic. I can only, so I depreciate my carriage house, but I can only offset rental income to the effect of the depreciation that I'm taking, which which isn't a lot type thing. But what ends up happening is your rental income can be more, excuse me, can be less than the depreciation you're taking. So what ends up happening is you have a suspended loss. You have this passive loss that just sits there. You can't use and you can cover some of your rental comp with it, but then it's just hanging out there doing nothing type thing. Does that explain that? Okay, does that make sense?
1: Um, not one hundred percent.
0: What questions do you have?
1: <laughs> okay, so, and like if we if you look at like if we're following the um, you've got an example here in the newsletter. It says, for example, if you had a five hundred thousand dollar rental, you would depreciate it by that three point six percent number that you mentioned or roughly $18,000, if you only had $10,000 in rental income, which is what you're saying, you're getting paid, right, from your, yep. from your renters in the carriage house, then you mm-hmm. don't pay taxes on the the 10K mm-hmm. in the current year, but you can use the other 8K in depreciation. So You can't. You cannot use it in depreciation. So it becomes
0: a suspended loss, meaning you don't get to take advantage of it.
1: Okay, but you're taking advantage of... What? Where? Where is the advantage coming in there? I guess is where you're I'm
0: lowering at. your. So if you if you didn't depreciate it for whatever reason, you'd pay taxes on the rental income. It'd be ordinary income to you.
1: The the ten thousand dollars.
0: Yeah. So depreciation okay. allows you to offset other passive income that you have. Got it. Which is how, like, why real estate the why there's just so many extremely wealthy people is because in real estate is because you're able to really defer a lot of the income that you're generating from your real estate through depreciation. So that's like when Donald Trump is like not paying any taxes. Right. He's doing it through depreciation, which is totally legal. He's he's within his right to do that. Like so it's when people got up in arms he's not paying taxes, I'm like, "Well, that's just like that's how real estate works."
1: And is that on like like a Marlago situation? He's depreciating something like that or would it be
0: it's usually office buildings, office rentals? Buildings. Like I've no idea about Largo, but like all, all the buildings in new york people mm-hmm. are owning those you're depreciating them and you, you help, that helps offset the income from those buildings
1: got it okay now this is starting to make more sense and let's say for instance that the income that you take in is more than the depreciation percentage what happens there
0: then you're paying taxes
1: on it on on that difference
0: yeah so for like for me on my rental the depreciation is not a lot so i pay like a decent amount of taxes on my rental income uh, Cause I don't have like a ton of expenses to help cover
1: it either. Got it. So. Okay. All right. Now, but now it, we're on the same page.
0: Except that there's a great quirk also to this, to this rule. So we're getting even deeper. So that's like typically how like uh, a rental would work. Now, if you have a short-term rental, so I have a long-term rental. If you have a short-term rental, meaning the one that we stayed in Airbnb, you can meet certain criteria that means you are materially participating in the real estate activity. So the, double check the rules on this, but you're, you're pretty much spending a lot of time managing, fixing things in the business. You do not have a property manager. Does that make sense?
1: Yep. So that would be like you're going into the Airbnb and spending hours like cleaning and yep. like tidying up for the next guest that's coming in. And I'm you're managing,
0: saying, like, you're responding to things. You you do not have an you don't really have an employee or manager handling it for you. Got it. So, if you're you're going through the effort, there's not like a wink-wink, you know, I'm participating in the business. But if you qualify, that means any, remember we talked about earlier, the, the passive loss that is now suspended. You couldn't use the depreciation. Right. If you're active in it, that depreciation flips to an active loss, which you can then use against your ordinary income. So, this is how I was able to save a client roughly $90,000 by just reviewing their taxes. So I knew that they had a short term rental. Um, they had, it's it's a it's a mountain house, it's kind of expensive. So there's ton of depreciation coming off of it. They put some money into it also type thing. And they hadn't really been, they don't really rent it like gangbusters. They had just started this, but you're still able to use the depreciation to offset your income. And the CPA, you know, they're just trying to get your taxes done efficiently. They may, might not have taken the time to ask these questions. I don't know what happened. I didn't really ask. But I just said, I think your your passive loss here is suspended. But based on the fact pattern you're telling me, I think it can be used as an active loss, meaning offsetting your ordinary income. So he has roughly $180,000 in a suspended loss. And he's at, and he's at, yeah, so a very large number. Uh, that's how, why I noticed it on the tax return. So if you're able to flip that to your income and assuming you're in the highest tax bracket, that's roughly almost $90,000 in tax savings directly back into your pocket. Wow. So that that is the advantage of doing a short-term rental in my mind is if you're participating in it. That's why all these people talk about all these passive income. I want to do XYZ. I just want to put money in there and I want to get checks. I don't have to do anything. And I'm like, yeah. But the real advantage of doing this strategy is what I just laid out there is offsetting other income and lowering your tax bill in, in the tax year. Now, you will pay whenever you sell that property. You have depreciated it down, right? You have to pay auto recapture, which is at a higher rate. It's roughly around 25% off the top of my head. So you do pay the, that tax, you just pay it later.
1: Got it. And is it the total amount of that tax? So like it all comes back to you when you sell the house or is it just a percentage of that?
0: So whatever you depreciate. So let's say you have a $500,000 rental uh, property in Indy. I was about to say mm-hmm. Denver, but I was like, you can't get $500,000 property <laughs> in Denver. Um, St. In Indy. And let's say you depreciate. it depreciates down over time to 250. When you go to sell it, let's say you sell it for $700,000. The 250 to 500 will be auto, depreciation auto captured. That's at a higher rate than capital gains. So that's at 25% if my memory is correct. So you're gonna pay a higher rate on that auto recapture. Mm-hmm. And then you're gonna pay capital gains on top of the 500 to the 700. Gotcha. So in the tax year, like for the 10 years or whatever you own, you're getting you're getting a great tax advantage. But eventually you're gonna repay that back if you ever sell it.
1: Got it. And yeah. at the end of the day, is that still like a net win for you? I think it's
0: a net win because you're you're trading you're trading your ordinary income, which is a higher rate, usually. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know what everyone's effective tax rate is, but generally, you know, you wanna trade a lower tax rate for a yeah. higher tax rate. And that's where it just kind of gets into the minutiae of like, this is a general strategy. I don't know if this is right for you. I don't know your situation. I would work with a professional on this. Right. I wouldn't go out and do this just because like Sam and Fabian stayed at a Denver Airbnb <laughs> and thought this is a great idea.
1: So, so this is where the doing the work really pays off, right? Yes. That you mentioned at the beginning is you're you're not necessarily hiring a property management group to do this. You're actually going in there and doing the work so that you can switch from a suspended loss to an active loss, correct? Yeah. Got it.
0: Yeah. And that's where I'm like, ah, you know, passive income strategies are great, but like the real meat that you want is on the active side, which is not something you can fake. I mean, sure, you can fake it, but then like the IRS is going to absolutely crunch you down if they ever catch you. And that would not be fun. That would be very unpleasant.
1: We we might have to do a follow up to this episode because now that we're talking about it, I remember getting sucked into this like five minute YouTube ad before a video I was watching <laughs> about how to make passive like I, I think the term was semi passive income on an Airbnb. There's and nothing like semi passive. You have to take these <laughs> classes. So I would love to review that video with you and then follow up to this because I think that would There's be
0: nothing as semi passive. That doesn't exist.
1: I think legally that's how they get around it. They have to say semi passive. Sure sure
0: and what why were we out in Denver too a lot of cranes a lot of uh, economic activity going on I think you had a couple questions around the economy economy for today today as well
1: yeah where where are we where where, are we? where, where do we sit on the in the economy how much people, time people you were people were spending money out there we were spending money like gangbusters if you would have been at the dinners that we were at you would have been like damn the economy Shh, is look, back
0: you're gonna get me in trouble because uh <laughs> we Austin didn't pay for it. accused Accused me of taking you on nicer dinners than her. Wow. So it's 15 minutes in, so maybe we've lost her by now. <laughs> I'll find out after this is posted. <laughs> yeah, generally everything we did was the airline was packed, um, you know, airports full, restaurants are full, Red Rocks, I think, is always at capacity, but it was completely full the economy continues to jump over the low hurdle of expectations. And a lot of those lower expectations have been driven by mainly inflation. So inflation sucks, you hate it, but it doesn't just go away overnight. People continue to feel that and resonate. So that's why like economic expectations, if you go look at any of the consumer surveys that are out there, are still really low. People hate inflation. They feel like they're getting crimped down. But generally, the economy is continuing to continue to chug along. But to look directly at inflation, it's come down a ton. So the peak was in June of 2022 was 9.1%. I remember that. My call was like, this is going to a lot of one-time effects that were transitories thrown around there a lot. But my view is that it would come down over time. I, you know, I said maybe two years, it'll come back down, but we're all the way down to 4.1% right now. So that's like a fantastic drop. And that's what you would call kind of Goldilocks of inflation's coming down, unemployment is still incredibly low. It's at 3.7% right now. And then the the thing that will be so it's always kind of two handed, like that's great.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What's kind of still lingering that's an issue. And do you remember all the different inflation measures we've talked about before? No. <laughs> You're going to love this. So, okay, so there's overall inflation. That one's coming down really well. We're at 4.1%. That's fantastic. You, au- you also have core inflation, which backs out um, food and energy costs. But if you look at core inflation, X shelter and used cars, because rem- remember, those were really big one-time items that were kind of getting like the snake was working through the economy snake was had that like Adam Allison's kind of working through big, big hump type things. But if you look at that measure, it's coming down a lot. It's only at 4.2. And then if you look at core services, X shelter, so this is the third inflation number I'm throwing at you. It's looking really good too. So all these measures are coming down except for one, which is core inflation. So core again is inflation X uh, energy and food. That one's staying really elevated. So it's staying still at this 5%. And you can see this here in the newsletter. You can annualize it on a different ton of different time periods, everything's coming down with core. So now we're going to have what we've talked about a lot with the Federal Reserve is the the Mexican standoff between core inflation and the feds thinking that they want to get inflation down to 2% again. And core is sitting there right at five. So that's what happened last week where the Federal Reserve met, they didn't raise rates, woohoo, that's great. But they're continuing to say like, we might raise rates more if inflation doesn't it turns out to be more stubborn and sticky than we'd like. Hmm. So that'll be the the two-handed takeaway of like things are going really well, inflation's lower, but the economy and stocks are always about future expectations, and the future could be higher rates, which you know no one really loves unless you're the Fed.
1: Where where are rates today?
0: So right now the Fed funds rate is at. I want to make sure it's either four point seven five to five. It's because it's a range. Mm -hmm. I think it's five to 5.25. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's it's one of those right there. I think it's right at five, five to 5.25, if I had to guess. And,
1: And so when that trickles down to the consumer in terms of like mortgage rates and car auto loan rates, where do we, do you know kind of where we sit there?
0: Yeah. So the, the good news is like money market rates are really attractive now. So you you can go out and get a 4.75% money market rate. Woohoo. Um, who would have thought? I think that's like the first time in my lifetime I've been like telling people to like get get money into a savings account uh, type thing. So like that's the good thing. The bad thing is that mortgages, auto loans and other other debt vehicles are much higher. So auto loans I'm seeing in the sixes and sevens and the interesting thing is is mortgage rates are based on the 10 year US treasury not necessarily the fed funds but because there's so much volatility from the silicon valley bank um fiasco there's a there's a credit spread in the mortgage rates so mortgages should be lower but because of that credit spread they're still high so i'm seeing sixes and sevens in the mortgage which kind of goes back to the short term airbnb That strategy works so well. If you have like a 3% mortgage rate, your interest costs are really low. Um, It doesn't eat into it, but like a 7% mortgage and also a rental mortgage is going to be higher. So you're talking about like 8% for your short-term Airbnb. Yeah, that's much higher cost um, today, which is why like people are like, yeah, I want to do the passive income thing. And I'm like, eh, have you seen (laughs) this? The other good news too is that stocks are doing much better. So 2022 was... A kind of a reset year. Interest rates are rising. Valuations were a lot higher. S and P five hundred is is definitely bounced back big year to date. We're up fifteen percent so far, and we're only five percent away from you know breaking out to new all time highs.
1: Yeah, and and another point on like just where we are, like in the economy. I think one of my the the thing I said the most when we were in Denver because we went for a a couple of long walks, like long romantic walks, just middle of the day. And it was just like, does anybody work? You know, no, there's people yeah. out there just doing like rollerblading, having leisure activities, having expensive lunches, drinking wine. Uh, it's just like it wasn't who's, us. It wasn't who's us, working? Honey. You know what I mean? Who is working? The, the streets were packed. The parks were, were, were packed with people like midday on like a Wednesday and Thursday.
0: Yeah, like I don't – it just shows you like – Things are good usually when you see that. It's people feeling, feeling like they have the ability to take time off like us. Like if, if things are going bad, me and you probably aren't sitting out there in Denver going for leisurely walks in Washington Park, which is beautiful. And that just shows me the power. Like if people feel like they can be doing that, right? then it just shows me that like people are starting to feel good about the economy and where, where they are. Yeah. Like if you're scared about your future, you're not really going to go rollerblading. Even though they looked magnificent, I wish I could look yeah. back at rollerblading.
1: Uh, right, right. So, what other questions you have? Um, okay, so I brought this up to you. So, we, we don't work together professionally in the sense of like, you don't manage my money. Uh, but somebody else does. And one of the things, and this may be super bro science y. I don't know if this is the correct way to look at my money, but I look at this thing and you can help me explain this to it so that it makes sense to other people. So I look at this thing called the IVV. So I'm invested in it. And I just, it's a simple way for me to like open up my phone, see where it's at. And if it's green and going up from where it was like a couple months ago, I feel really happy. But if it's going down, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So is this sure. strategy of checking kind of the balance of, of where things are a good strategy or what, what am I actually looking at? Uh, what, what am I doing when I'm doing that? Yeah,
0: I think that's a really good rule of thumb. So what, you're, what you just described though is what's called the wealth effect. So like as, as stocks rise, as home prices go higher, the people that own those feel good and then you go to Denver and spend all your money. So that is, you know, and then that's how the economy continues to cycle. So it, that's not a bad way to look at it at all. So what you just said is IVV, that is an ETF. So that is a passive index that tracks the S&P 500. Do you know how many stocks are in the S&P 500?
1: 503.
0: Yes. All right. But 500 companies, 500 companies in the S&P 500, 503 stocks. So next time you're at trivia, you can nail that one. And that, that just tracking the largest 500 companies in the US. So if you're looking at that, it's it's like a pretty good barometer of the general... Now it's a little different than the economy. So these are companies and earnings. So what kind of happened last year was like earnings and valuations came down but the economy continued to chug along. So you can kind of have like a little dichotomy there, but generally that's the best barometer for how the market is viewing itself kind of like six months out from now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, cause like the market could have a, what we would call a correction, go down 10% because it's guessing that a recession will come, but it doesn't always happen. That's kind of what happened last year um, with, with the market sell off among other things that I mentioned. But generally, if you just want like, hey, how are things going? Look at the IVV. Look at the S and P five hundred. Great barometer for how things
1: are going. Yeah, that number was a lot lower, like <laughs> a couple months ago, and it's it's been steadily rising. So I like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now you feel good. Now you're gonna go out, like, honey, we should get the dom.
1: We should yeah. we should go out to dinner.
0: Yeah, the you know, the, honey, the IVV hit four fifty, which. <laughs>
1: I don't know if, if the FVV hits 450. We're going back to Sunday vinyl day trip. Oh, snap! <laughs> day trip to Sunday vinyl.
0: I think our partners have to come now, they're gonna hear yes. this. Hear that 450, and we'll go back to Sunday vinyl.
1: Boom. <laughs> Any other questions on your mind? That's all you got for me today, bud. Awesome.
0: Well, I appreciate your time, and listeners, as always, subscribe. Love leaving a comment and ask your questions away. We've done a bunch of listener episodes before from their questions. It sounds like we might need to do an entire short-term rental episode, um, but always open to suggestion. We'll see you
1: later. Bye.